Hello, good to see everybody. Man, y'all excited? Man, I, I'm glad I get to end the year with you all. Uh, it just gives me hope for the next year to look out and be able to see all these beautiful people out here. Uh, my name is Michael Singer. I am the pastor at our Lake Norman campus. I don't know about you, but that beat that happened in the grocery giveaway, I thought we should get them to do a line dance or something. So we'll see what we can come up with between services. Maybe we'll come up with something. Well, hey, we're glad you're here today. Uh, today we're going to do something very special and unique, something we've done in our church before. Uh, but we've been in this whole series throughout the month of December called A Thrill of Hope. And we've been talking about Jesus, who is our hope. And today, we're going to hear, what does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like whenever this hope intersects with our lives and we decide to allow this hope to live and be free and to change us and to be a part of what's going on in our lives? Now, we're going to hear about what this looks like in a very special way that Freedom House does called a five-on-five. How many of you have been here for a five-on-five? Okay, don't worry. If you haven't, I'm going to tell you what we're about to do. The message today is not going to be given by one person. It's going to be given by five people. That's where the first five comes into play. The other five is they each have five minutes to share what they're going to share. And I don't play any games. They have five minutes. Matter of fact, to keep them on track and to make sure that they only take the five minutes, I might, have, I might have a little bit of, we'll see, I might have a little bit of grace for a few seconds at the end, but I don't know. What we're going to do to help them know where they are is while they're speaking, whenever they have one minute left, a sign like this will be held up and it will go down. Then when they have 30 seconds left, there'll be another sign with 30 seconds. They'll know exactly where they are. And then there'll be a 10-second countdown on the screen behind them so we will all know when they're supposed to be wrapping it up. And then I will be the gracious, lovely host that will come up and snatch them off the platform if I need to snatch them off the platform. Now, here's what I need you to do. These people are, some, a lot of them, first time being up here. Uh, so I get nervous all the time. There might be nerves flowing. So we're going to cheer them on like the greatest fans in the world. All right, so here's what we're going to do. Anytime when I announce the person that's coming up, so I'll be like, hey, I give you so-and-so. Everybody here is going to stand up on their feet, and we're going to clap and hoot and holler. Just get wild. I don't care how wild you want to get. Just stay in your seat. Don't run around the auditorium. <laughs> then when they end, I'm going to come up and get ready to introduce the next person. But when they end, we're going to stand on our feet again and clap for them and just thank them for doing such a great job in sharing part of their story with us. So are y'all ready? Yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. All right, let's introduce the first speaker that will be coming up. This person is married. Uh, they have four kids. They serve here at Freedom House on our parking team. And then I asked a couple of kind of fun questions. I asked, what was the first car you ever had when you started driving? This person, their first car was a white Camry. And then I asked them, if you were an animal, somebody was excited about the white Camry. <laughs> then, I, uh, then I asked them, if you were an animal, what animal would you be? This person didn't only give me an animal, they actually gave me like a fictional animal. And they said, I would be Sonic the Hedgehog, all gas, no brakes. So that's why they chose Sonic the Hedgehog. So everybody, stand to your feet. Give it up for Austin Smith! Yeah. 
A reading from Luke chapter 15, verse 32. I've done this a million times, don't worry. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. This verse is important to me because of the hope it provides families who have loved ones who are lost. My prodigal son testimony starts off growing up in a town. The town was uh, called Oviedo, the Oviedo Lions. I'm the oldest of three boys. Uh, Sports was everything. What it meant to be an Oviedo Lion growing up all the way through was very, very important. We worked hard, we played hard, and we partied hard. (laughs) My senior year of high school, the very first game of uh, the season, we were playing at the Disney Wide World Sports Complex against a team from Colorado and the whole town was there. Um, The second half, I got an injury. As I go to the sideline, the trainers tell me I have a broken leg. I'm I'm devastated. I'm crushed. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm I'm frustrated. Um, There's just such a high, such a low. And the physical brokenness, yes, but didn't understand the spiritual brokenness that was present. I can remember like hitting the bench, just being angry, yelling. I felt like a failure. I felt like I let myself down, my parents down, my team down, and my town down. I was mad at God. You know, God, why, why now? Why this? Why me? You know, why? I, you know, God, I went to confession this second grade. God, you know, I, I, would, I would eat a lot of those little nasty tasting wafers just for you. Some, sometimes I'd eat two or three just, just in case those spiritual calories, I, you know, I couldn't get enough of them. So why would this happen to me? The, the real thing is I was using God, but didn't ever really had a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. So for the next two years, drug addiction, depression, and just searching for identity in all the wrong places took hold of my life, and family stepped in. My parents, probably fearing for my life, Um, got with my aunt and uncle, and in 2011, I moved to North Carolina to get on my, get up on my feet. Um, As I step out of that story, again, I want to highlight, it was interesting, that physical brokenness in that moment, but it was really the spiritual brokenness that I had no idea existed. Um, So fast forward now to 2021, Uh, there's a really cool thing that Freedom House does called Forward. And the, the point of forward is to move forward into a deeper relationship with our Heavenly Father. So go, going into this, I, you know, for the last 10 years at this point, I've been saved, married, blessed. I, I can't, you know, I, I, there's not enough words and worship to, to describe how, you know, where, where my life is now. But in 2021, I approached this forward with, hey, what, what's, the, what's the downside? There's zero downside to getting closer to our Heavenly Father. So in that moment, well, I'm, at, I'm sitting it forward with just, God, show me what you, what you want me to do. How can I get closer to you? And what was really cool is he brought me back to that moment. And um, I can just picture myself laying on that bench with my leg up in the air, just mad. and just I, I could see that, that moment. And as I step out of that moment, Jesus was standing there. 
and he's patting me on the back and he's saying, son, son, don't be mad. Don't be angry. Don't be afraid. I have great plans for you. You are much more than this. Trust in me and I will show you. But obviously as a 17-year-old boy at the time, you have no idea. But what's cool is that moment God was showing me he was there the whole time. He will never leave you. He will never fail you, even when you can't see him. Yeah. <clears throat> Another cool tidbit was, even though I was wearing an Oviedo Lions jersey, it was really the Lion of Judah who wanted me on his team. So to all the Freedom House families who have prodigal sons yet to come home in 2024, I am praying and I am believing that this is the time for your prodigal son or daughter to come home. Because last time I checked, Jesus is still on the throne. He will still leave the 99 to chase your, one, your loved one. And church family, I love you, and God bless. All right, stand to your feet, come on. Give it up for Austin Smith. Man, he didn't even, he didn't even give a chance for the 10 seconds to come up, so. You notice he felt pressure at the end. He's like, I got to finish this thing. And so the best thing to do is church family have a great day. That's the way you finish the message. Hey, I love what he said. I love that God brought him back to a place back in his life where God was present, though he didn't recognize it in the moment. And isn't that like us? I know there are times where I didn't realize God was present until after the fact I look back and I see him present in that moment. Thank you, Austin, for sharing with us. All right, y'all ready to hear who's coming up next? All right. This next person is also married, and we're going to keep the theme of four children going. They have four children also. Uh, he serves at Guest Central. Asked about the first car. The first car for this person was a brown Toyota Celica. Anybody want to clap for that? All right, we got some Toyota Celicas. Asked about which animal. They said that they would be a lion because the lion is king of the jungle. Everybody, if you will, stand to your feet and give it up for Mr. Michael Sessions. Woo! All right. I want to take you on a journey. Uh, my teenage years into my early 20s were pretty rough. My parents went through a nasty divorce when I was 13. I lived in a very abusive household, a lot of hitting, screaming, yelling, very manipulative. Uh, I was unsure of myself as a young kid. In ninth grade, my best friend Kevin was killed in a car accident coming home from summer camp. I was actually supposed to be with him, but I got a summer job and couldn't go. It was the first time in my life I had to learn how to carry a coffin. Unfortunately for me, it wouldn't be the last. When I was 20, my roommate and good high school friend Mike committed suicide after a party that we had. I was the one that found him that evening. Two years after that, my good friend Jason a uh, fraternity brother of mine, we were playing football on Thanksgiving. He died of a massive cardiac arrest. Uh, roughly two years after that, my good friend Scott's mother passed away of a sudden brain aneurysm. She was like a second mother to me. Being a pallbearer is not anything I would wish on anyone, but for me, it was seeming uh, very normal. It took me five and a half years to get out of college, and no, I didn't get a master's degree. It's just how long it took. I was actually pretty proud of that, though. Uh, I just, I just that, thanks, that took five seconds, knock it off. Uh, I, I really felt like my life was just a constant struggle. Uh, through these hard times, though, I, I always felt God's presence uh, guiding me and keeping me on the right path. 
I wasn't ever angry in any of these moments. Oh, I, I probably should have been. That's a lot for anyone to endure. I just remember being so confused, like, why so much struggle, God? Things got better in my life. I started my own business in 1999, married the girl of my dreams, Amanda, in 2006, and uh, up until that point in my life, it was the best day of my life, no question. But then the plot thickens. Early on into our marriage, I struggled with the idea of being a dad. Uh, Amanda was devastated. She literally was crying in the floor in our kitchen, just saying, I wish you would have just told me this before we got married. All I saw of parenting was pain. So obviously I didn't see how it could work. A few years into our marriage, a lot of fighting, over nothing really. I just didn't see how it was gonna work out. I actually moved out for a week and lived with one of my friends. Amanda and I knew we were meant to be together. So we literally prayed on our hands and knees for things to turn around. And with the encouragement of our great friends, Kylie and Ryan, with God, we saw the hope that we needed to keep fighting for our marriage. God gave us a plan, we figured things out. And in the midst of all this, we grew closer to God. And the peace we felt during that storm was God carrying us through and keeping our faith strong. Today we have four amazing, beautiful, lovely children. Liliana, Cam, Mila, and Kai. You'll probably see them running around here today. In April, Amanda and I will be married 18 years. And uh, thanks. And not just married, uh, we have a love that's indescribable. Uh, the team we are, the fun we have, the laughs we have. And my business that I started in 1999 is still active today. I still run that company 25 years later. It's been an amazing blessing. It's been a journey for sure. So what does all this mean, you might be asking? How could one person experience such trauma and joy? Is this really God's plan? Can I get a hand if you've ever asked, is this God's plan? Well, we can never connect the dots going backwards, or going forwards. We can only connect the dots going backwards. Every time there was a massive obstacle in my life or a massive victory, God gave me an answer. God's love has always been with me through the good times and the bad. Never allowed me to give up or compromise. Teaching me what's most important and keeping me on the right track and shaping and molding me in the person that I am today. I like what James 1, 2 through 4 says. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I've grown to trust God with everything in my life because he's shown me a habit of his trust and his love over and over. I hope my testimony today will help you lean into God's love. He will come through for you with all the answers. It's a wonderful way to live, and I think it's the only way to live. And if he could come through for me with all the answers I needed, he could come through for you with all the answers you need. And remember this, God's love doesn't mean we won't have troubles. God's love means troubles won't have you. Thank you. Woo, come on, stand to your feet. Thank you, Michael. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, he was right on the button, man. I don't think you can get any tighter than that. I, I love, uh, you know, just hearing everything that he had been through uh, and how when he hit another major bump in his marriage early on, you know, when you go through that kind of stuff, it can be easy to just say, 
forget this, I'm not doing this again, but how they stayed in and they fought. Uh, and so I love that resilience. Um, it was, I appreciate Michael sharing all that. Uh, so y'all ready to hear the next person who's coming up to share with us? So this person uh, is also married. And again, we're going to keep the kid theme going. Four kids. I couldn't believe it. Three people, four kids. It's wild. He serves here at Freedom House as an usher. When asked about his first vehicle, uh, he gave me the year and everything. So you know this car was special. 1976 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Woo! Man, it just, it just rolls off your tongue real, real sweet and smooth. When asked about what animal they would be, they said a honey badger because they're resilient and unafraid. But then they didn't stop there. They also said the honey badger because it can eat enormous amounts of honey and not get diabetes. I don't know if you'll find that on the Wild Channel, whether they're talking about animals or not. But everybody, stand to your feet. Give it up for Mr. Doug Gabriel. things on. It's hot. Hot mic. All right. Hey, so like Michael mentioned, I have four bright, beautiful children, Olivia, Roman, Estella, and Eli. And my testimony today is about paralyzed hope that is restored by faith in God's love. But the picture you see behind me, it made it up there, is the end of my story. So I'm going to take you back to the beginning and how we got there. So Amy and I got married about 20 years ago, and early on we enjoyed our time as a couple, but then we decided to put all that practice to the test and start a family. But you know, statistics today show that 15 to 20% of couples struggle with infertility. And after a series of tests, we could quickly realize that we were a part of that statistic. I got a handwritten note from a doctor telling me that my best chances to conceive, or Amber and I was going to do it by myself, but we're, <laughs> we're IVF. <clears throat> I was a little bit disappointed, but I wasn't hopeless yet. So Amber and I did IVF, and it failed miserably. So now I was, I was desperate. I was paralyzed in my situation uh, I was pretty much devastated. I felt as if, um, you know, my situation, that God was punishing me, like maybe for my sins, something I did in the past. I was like, all I wanted to do after I got married was be a father. I was like, you're pulling my man card. This is not the time to do it. So I was angry, sad. I had guilt, anxiety, fear. I became a prisoner of my situation versus a prisoner of hope. And you know, hope is the belief that something beneficial is to come. The idea that what is currently seen is not the end of the story, but that something greater is ahead. But I wasn't there yet. Could I trust God even though I did not know what he was doing? At the time, no. Instead of trusting him, I went calling on family members, looking for that family history. Was it genetics? Did someone pass something down? Like, was I going to let that doctor's note define me for the rest of my life? And I think God got tired of watching me flounder in all these questions and, and situations. And he spoke to me through Amber's Meemaw, and anybody here that has a meemaw in their family knows what I'm about to say. She looked at me one day and she goes, oh, honey. She was like, I was pregnant before granddaddy's pants hit the bedpost. That is not the encouragement that I'm looking for. But I was still paralyzed in my situation. I was looking for this worldly hope versus a spiritual hope. But like the paralytic man in the waters of Bethesda, he was paralyzed and hopeless until he met Jesus. So I started to ask myself, could I have... <clears throat> did, did I want to be made well? Could I have faith of a mustard seed? Could I have that spiritual grit to handle this closed door? <clears throat> Excuse me, to see God's promise in another? 
you know, I had to change my mindset. Amber and I prayed. We leaned into church. We leaned into each other. We cleaned up some areas of health in our lives. We started to take action. You know, I reflected positivity on where I was in the moment and gave God thanks and, and just tried to understand that it was God's timing and not mine. Because hope is the faith that God does have plans for us. And about a year passed, and I received a phone call. Said I wouldn't do it. <laughs> but a close family member said, hey, I know this teenage girl that's three months pregnant and considering adoption. Our hope was never lost on God. And the minute I talked to Amber <clears throat> about adopting, in a nanosecond, she said, I don't care how we start our family. She goes, if it's God's will, let God's will be done. <clears throat> Give me 30 seconds back. <laughs> but it's, it's just, it's, these are tears of happiness, I can tell you, because on June 22nd, 2010, Olivia was born, and we were proud parents of a little girl. God's plan was in motion the entire time. But it took me until I had her in my arms to realize that God had closed that door of that natural worldly way to conceiving a child to opening the spiritual door that I never could have imagined. It was just amazing. And Olivia's middle name is Noel, which is very fitting for the season and the fact that she is our gift from God, a gift of hope out of faith. And whether Libby knows it or not, her arrival was the catalyst for my faith growing leaps and bounds. And she'll forever be the one God delivered to, our, to start our family. And as you can see from that picture you saw earlier, we've continued to be blessed, and God's done amazing things in our life, given us the addition of three more. So careful what you pray for. <laughs> but, but the great thing, out of all the trials and heartache, the best thing about it all is that Amber and I get to share our story with other people that are going through similar situations, or even situations unrelated, because that common denominator of God's promises is hope. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So I hope my testimony will inspire you to seek God's heart for a deeper relationship. Be patient in the waiting. Expect the unexpected. And praise God because hope is an act of faith that refuses to surrender. So no matter your situation, let Jesus turn your hopeless end into endless hope. Thank you. Stand to your feet. Come on. <laughs> Man, they're doing good on this time thing. Uh, Doug, I gave you a few more seconds at the end because I know you got choked up, man. So I, I gave you a few seconds for sentimental value, buddy. I love you. Appreciate you. You know, I love, uh, I love what, you know, kind of the crux of what I heard in Doug's story is just that idea that when something is void that we desire, we tend to launch out on our own and try to figure it out until we come to a place where we realize, all right, God, I need you in this, and we invite him in. And I love how God just changed the whole situation. When you invited him in, he gave you a beautiful gift, and then he said, hey, man, I'll give you three more beautiful gifts, and it really blessed your life. So thank you, Doug, for sharing that with us. All right, let's get on to our next person that's gonna come up on the platform. This person is not married, but they have a chocolate lab named Whiskey. I don't know how that lab got that name, so that's a good question to ask this per person after uh, we're done today. Uh, this person serves at Guest Central. Uh, the first vehicle they had was a white Camaro with T-tops. Well, don't clap too quickly because they said it leaked every time it rained. When asked about the animal this person would be, uh, they said a chimp or gorilla 
And I'm gonna tell you why, and I'm gonna have to read this. You're gonna think I'm reading this from National Geographic, but just know I'm not. This is what this person wrote. They said they chose the Chimpa Gorilla because they are gentle yet strong and powerful. They are strong leaders yet possess qualities like generosity, peacemaking, and empathy. Doesn't it sound like National Geographic? Although they use complex leadership techniques, they maintain social harmony among the alliances and the groups. And then they tacked on this. Flying through the treetops would be a pretty good added bonus being a chimp or gorilla. So everybody, if you will, stand to your feet and give it up for Elisa Martin. I pass. Week after week in Al-Anon, those were the only two words I could manage when it was my turn. You're probably all familiar with AA, but Al-Anon is the other support group for those whose lives have been affected by a loved one's misuse of alcohol, even if that loved one denies that there's a problem. Each time I said I pass, I felt like I wasn't honoring the group and the vulnerability they also generously shared but I also knew that I was holding back an emotional floodgate. Finally, on that summer day in 2019, I swallowed hard and I shared. I feel like my husband and I are in the middle of the ocean during a terrible storm, struggling to tread water with swell so high, it's nearly impossible for us to stay afloat. Just me and him and a life preserver. Desperately, I push the preserver to my husband, but he pushes it away. I swim and I get it, I push it to him again, only to have him push it farther away. Over and over, swimming farther, growing weaker, yet still hoping this time he'll grab it, grab me, and save us from drowning. What I'd come to realize later is that it was me who needed the saving, and not a savior, but the savior. At that time, I was emotionally composting my feelings, and I felt like at any moment I could literally boil over. Ironically, my therapist would always bring up the boiling frog. Who knows the boiling frog? It's a metaphor whereby a frog that's put into boiling water jumps out immediately because it recognizes the danger. But if that same frog is put into lukewarm water that's heated slowly, the frog won't perceive the danger, and it'll literally be cooked to death. Doesn't that sound a little familiar in terms of our culture and our society today? Well, while that therapist was right, y'all, I hated that imagery. And that was my second God whisper, but he really wasn't whispering anymore. The first was an open-hearted prayer, a simple prayer asking God to show me. And do you know that very next morning, he answered that prayer, and whoa, did he answer it loud. Over the next eight months, God continued to show me many painful truths, from my dad saying, Elisa, you are losing your spirit, to the psychologist that met my husband and I only three times and looked me right in the eyes and said, run for your life. It was like the parable of the flood. You know the one, a man is trapped in his house during a flood as the waters rise. A neighbor offers him a ride to safety in his truck, and he says, that's okay, God will save me. 
The waters rise so high, they force the man onto the roof of the house, and a boat and a helicopter come by, and both times he declines, saying, God will save me. Well, y'all know what happens, right? The man drowns, and when he gets to heaven, he says, God, why didn't you save me? And God said, dude. Okay, well, he probably didn't say dude because we all know God's a gentleman, right? But he did say, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What more could I do? You see, even in our darkest times, God will show us the way if we ask him. I knew in my heart that all that darkness that was being brought into the light was either going to break things wide open in our marriage and bring us closer together and closer to God, or it was going to reveal God's actual plan for my life. I faced an unimaginable choice that brought me to my knees and a depth of despair I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. But sometimes when we feel like God is breaking us, he's actually building us because it was that path that led me right here to find the power of a truly authentic relationship with our Lord. I have a strength and spirit and a peace and a joy in my heart like I have never known before. And God has even used my story to help others. So while I too passed on my truck and my boat and I made my way all the way onto that metaphorical roof, when God's helicopter came, I took his hand. And for that amazing grace, I wouldn't have it any other way. In Proverbs, his word reminds us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I pray that other people's paths to know him are easier, but whatever your path may be, it will be worth it every step of the way. Ball, stand to your feet. Thank you so much, Elisa. I love probably the thing that stood out to me uh, in Elisa's story is that, you know, she had this overwhelming circumstance she was going through. And it's easy when we walk through life to get so concentrated on the circumstance. But God is not just concentrated on our circumstance. He's usually more concerned with the individuals involved and with us involved with that. And he wants to do something in us to help us. So thank you, Elisa, so much for sharing that with us. All right, four have come, and we just have one more to go. This last person is married, has two kids, serves at Guest Central. When asked about the first car they drove, it was a 1989 black Chevy Corsica. I don't know if you've had one of those. Asked about the animal they'd like to be. I love their answer. They said they would want to be a silver fox because with wisdom comes gray hair. All right, if you will, stand to your feet. Let's give it up for Mr. Chris Plummer. So if you remember, in the Bible, the Israelites took a journey that should have taken two weeks yet took 40 years. Think about that. Two-week journey that took 40 years. So when God delivered the Israelites out of the hand of Pharaoh through Moses and through the Red Sea, the time from when they left the Red Sea to the time to the promised land was a two-week journey that should have only taken two weeks. 
but it took 40 years. So I thought about this and read this. So in Deuteronomy 1-2, it says, it takes 11 days to go to Horeb, to Kadesh, Barnea, by the road of Mount Seir. So that's basically from the Mount Seir to the promised land. I was sitting there thinking, how many of us in this room right now have been delivered by God's hand, been freed from our sins, yet we're still wandering in the wilderness. Maybe one year, two years later, three years. We know God's there, but we have not surrendered to him everything that we have. And so I thought, there's many reasons as to why they were in the wilderness so long. But the one that stuck out to me and related to me the most was self-reliance. Being self-reliant on what I'm doing in my life versus what God has and his plans for me. So I grew up in a Christian home, Christian parents, but my identity in Christ was through their relationship with Christ. I hadn't found God for myself. I hadn't developed a relationship with him where I was continually going to him. So as I continued to grow up in my career, with my family, and as I got older, I was becoming more and more self-reliant. I was more self-reliant on being successful in my career. I was being more self-reliant on being a good husband as best as I thought I could be, uh, being a good father, and being good friends to the people around me. I was tithing, but I wasn't under the covering of God and putting all the finances to him. I was coming to church and serving, but I wasn't walking in a faithful relationship with him. I wasn't going to him with what I needed help on. I was trying to do it all by myself. So this created some fractures in my relationship with my wife and my family and my friends till it got to the point where it was a tipping point. I had a choice to make. The choice was either give in and rely on God for what he has or rely on yourself. And it came to a point in our relationship where Brooke and I, um, we, we were, we were kind of at the ends, ends of our ropes. And I'll remember like it was yesterday, we were sitting on the couch. And if anybody knows Brooke, she's a prayer warrior. (laughs) And she started praying. And I sat across from her and I had a hard heart and I uh, I was not really willing to give in at that time. But I looked across at her and I saw her praying. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit came upon me. And he says, you need to make a choice. Are you gonna go with me? And are you gonna surrender to me? Or are you gonna try to do this all on your own? And so, luckily enough, I chose the high road, and it changed me immediately. It changed my mind and my perspective. It changed how I approached my kids. It changed how I approached my wife. Now that I was doing all this for God and that he was the center, everything was a different view. The image of God was in my life, and I was going to him for what I needed, not just trying to produce it on my own. There's three things that I just want to kind of leave with you that I think helped me walk through this. Number one, remember. Remember where you came from. The Israelites had to remember where they came from, how they were set free. Repent. That looked like me repenting to my wife, repenting to my kids, repenting to God for what I had done and not had him as the leader in the covering in my life and my marriage. And then number three, repeat. We're not perfect. We continue to fail. You continue having to do the same thing over, remember where you came from, repent to your, repent, confess, and then repeat. So as we go on today, I would like you all to stand with me. Um, 
you know, today you've seen five testimonies from individuals that have walked in a lot of the different walks you, you have. And I know what Pastor, uh, Pastor Singer said earlier, you know, it's, it's New Year's Eve. We're going to go on a new year and a new beginning. God is not bound by time at all. And he gives us this opportunity to renew our spirit, to, to, to you know, basically come to him and give him everything. And that's what he wants. He wants for you and I just to be free. He wants to take all your burdens. Every one of these different individuals that spoke today had a different challenge in their life, from alcoholism to trying to have kids to their marriage to just frustration with life. And you sit there and think about it, and I know that most of us can identify with those challenges. And I just want to encourage you today, yeah, God's not bound by time, and, and New Year's Eve is just another day, but maybe it's the day for you. Maybe it's the day for you to submit to God and say, you know what? I don't know. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God in your life. Maybe you've never crossed that path and given him, him, uh, or given him your life. But then again, maybe you were like me, and you were just walking in the wilderness, and you were just trying to figure things out on your own. You knew you, you were saved, and you had a relationship somewhat, but you hadn't given in. You hadn't just, you know, just surrendered your heart and everything to him. So if you all bow your heads with me, I'd like to ask you this question. If you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you want to do that right now, would you just raise your hand up? I'd just love to know who we're praying for today. And, and also, if you've not done that, but you're like, hey, I'm kind of like you. I'm, was in a, I'm in a point in my life where I've been just kind of going through the motions. It's been two, three years, four years since I was saved, but I, ha I haven't surrendered everything. I've got places in my life that I just, I just need to give to God. I got areas that, you know, I'm struggling with. Um, I don't know, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a relationship with a child. If you would raise your hand as well and just say like, look, I just wanna give this to God. I wanna quit doing it the hard way. I wanna quit doing it by myself. I just, wanna, I just wanna give it to you, God, and you just take over and take me by the hand and lead me to the promised land so I'm not sitting here 10, 15 years down the road just wandering in the wilderness. If you would, please say these words after me. Father God, I come to you today. I surrender my heart. I am so thankful that you gave your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins so that I may be set free, so I have no more burdens. I don't have all these chains on my shoulders. Just set me free, Lord. I give it all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, y'all stand to your feet. Give it up.